Welcome to the Innovative Real Estate Podcast with your hosts, Leslie Horn, Brett Crandall, and Claire Olilla. We're here to make your life easier as a real estate developer and teach you everything we've learned about designing and building innovative homes, multifamily, and mixed-use structures. On this podcast, we'll be giving you our best advice, trainings, and Q&A segments so you can learn from our years of experience and make your innovative vision a reality. Welcome back to the podcast, everyone. We are your hosts, Claire. Breck. And Bryce. And Bryce. If you listened to last week's episode, we introduced one of our architectural designers, Bryce, who worked on the hidden lake box from last episode. And Bryce is back. We're bringing him back on for a discussion today around the future of architecture dot, 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 or is it question mark? And that's the cliffhanger we're going to give you unless you listen to the rest of this episode. Um, We have launched, as you may have noticed, a new product called Home, H-O-U-M, which is here to help developers maximize efficiency for building. We're here to help you make buildings more efficient and help you do it faster while maintaining the beauty that is the human element of architecture. So today we're here to have a conversation, diving into more of these details, diving into a conversation around the implications of AI as it pertains to architecture and design and maximizing efficiency in buildings. And before we get into the conversation, a couple of notes for housekeeping. At any point in this conversation, please feel free to scroll down to the description of this episode. Check out our project portfolio. Check out some of the images of the projects that we're referencing here. And also feel free to reach out if you're interested to chat with our team, ask some questions and see if it's a good fit. Then feel free to fill out our contact form. And with that, Breck, let's carry it away and do our project highlight of the week. So the project highlight of the week this week is very related to our topic of interest. Um, We're talking about artificial intelligence and how that impacts our industry. So home, as we've had a couple of episodes on here, is, is working to kind of use algorithms to benefit our design practice without putting ourselves out of the job. So the Hayes home today comes from Hazel Park, Michigan. It is a carbon copy of a project that some of you may be familiar with, which was the Cochrane Home, uh, my personal residence that I'm building here in Detroit. Uh, The Hayes Home is actually taking that design and using just a different envelope. So it's an 1800 square foot, three bedroom, two bath home, uh, two stories, slab on grade, extremely efficient. The difference being that the Cochrane Home is utilizing a steel envelope. Whereas the Hayes home is actually piloting the same exact design, the same layout, the same core, which houses your kitchen, bathrooms, stairs, mechanical, electrical, and plumbing spaces, but it's utilizing SIPs. SIPs are structural insulated panels. They're prefabricated offsite and they lock together when you bring them to the site. So we're actually taking the same project and building it twice with two different methods of construction. And that will allow us to really weigh the benefits and downsides of both of these construction methodologies, as well as the cost implications of them. So we're really, really excited to be working on the Hayes home in Hazel Park, Michigan. Uh, We'll be posting updates on that one. The design is finished and launched and we will be going under construction construction sometime this summer. So looking forward to it. Thank you. And also exciting update. 
as of the release of this episode, we should have our full, full project portfolio available for downloading through our website. And so we'll probably have a link by now in our project uh, podcast description as well. If you want to see more details that aren't publicly publicly available on our website, we'll have some information around estimated construction costs for some of our projects based off of the information that we've got and where they're at in the planning process too. So if you're curious about that, we'll pop that link below as well. So Breck, where do we want to get started today? We've got a big conversation to have around the future of architecture AI as it pertains to design and building. So where you want to get started here? So let's start with some definitions because everyone inevitably has heard of AI, artificial intelligence, right? Is the future coming? We have this dystopian future ahead of us. Robots are going to take over the world. They're going to harvest our body energy to keep the robots powered, you know, who knows what else. Like science fiction has been playing this game with us for a while. But now today with the introduction of chat GPT and other uh, softwares that are available, um, it's, it's becoming a reality very quickly. So everyone, I think, is asking themselves, how is this going to impact the future of my profession? <clears throat> and while I, you know, maybe five or so years ago, I was thinking that, our profession as a creative and very human-oriented design profession was safe from AI. Now I'm having to rethink this position because it's coming at us fast. And the leaps and bounds that technology is making are exciting, but also terrifying. So what I'd like to begin with is let's talk a little bit about the parameters around some of these uh, keywords so that we can define for ourselves moving forward what exactly is artificial intelligence. So Bryce, I'm going to bring you in here. I know that there's a bunch of topics, there's a bunch of terms that we're throwing around here. And let's start to define what is the difference between artificial intelligence versus, say, generative design? Yeah. Uh, generative design is a topic that's kind of been floating around the architectural field for a while now, um, starting as early as you know the 20th century and the rise of technology in the architectural design process. Um, there have been softwares that have allowed us to essentially write computer codes and write scripts that we can start to use to optimize some of the processes that we would have to repeat non mass for a project. So we can build up this infrastructure for ourselves where all we really have to do is look at the very beginning and input, you know, whatever data we need to input, whether it's just a couple numbers, a couple dimensions, and we can build out these scripts that can take that information, take just a couple numbers, run it through super complicated processes that feed back into itself. It's very self-referential where we can sort of automate the process of having to do one thing 50 times and easily do it with varying degrees of uh, repetition and varying inputs. And hopefully, if our code is good and our inputs are good, then we get good outputs. So that's sort of where generative design exists, where we can, especially in the last couple of years, we've been able to impact it a little more with machine learning, with some other, <laughs> some other types of these big, scary buzzwords 
that have been able to is one yeah, of the parametric design absolutely um where it's it gets confused a lot it gets i think a, a different rap than it really is um but it it breaks down to building out these processes that we can really easily interface with and customize so that we can put in some really simple data and get outputs of some very complicated you know finished products and we can easily repeat it it's something so that we can do yeah based on that explanation generative design machine learning parametric design all just means we're trying to make our lives easier in the profession we're using the technology that's available to us to make our job simpler so what is the difference between that and ai artificial intelligence because a lot of people will uh misunderstand what we mean when we say those hot topics that we just brought up and they'll just refer to it all in lump sum as AI, but it's not. So what is the difference of artificial intelligence? Artificial intelligence is, um, well, it's, it's different because it's not necessarily using the, it's not using the code or the scripts or the information that the users themselves are developing to run through it's it's less of an algorithm and more of a sort of like external reference that could be um i think the the, the common term is trained on um you know ex external information external processes uh, we're seeing this a lot with uh pretty recently some text to image based ais where it's getting a big data pool it's getting a big sense of what an image is, what an image looks like, and it's starting to create its own process and its own sense of how how these things happen, where we can give it a prompt and without having any other internal use other than just that input, it's using its own external processes to build those connections to give us those outputs. And it's it, I think that's that's been the the source of um, a lot of that training has been the source of the controversy around, especially image-based AIs, where the the sourcing of the information that they're using for these training models are not necessarily ethically harvested from uh, from outside sources. So it's it's different in that there's far less control from the user side of how these processes work. Um, and it's it's far less intentioned on um, a single input going to outputs or or the the control of all of those middle processes that happen um, is is pushed off and is sort of itself uh, generated itself to provide those processes that we would otherwise have to create ourselves. So to further clarify, then we could say that generative design is more internal, whereas AI is external and kind of out of your control. Because AI is based on whatever information was provided to it. And each AI software has different information provided to it. Like we know that Google's working on AI. We know that Bing is working on AI. And if you're following the news, Bing's AI kind of had a... a 
bit of a a bit of a hurdle there because it started saying some interesting things. But <clears throat> the artificial intelligence is only as good as the information that's being provided, whereas these other design strategies are internal and more specified for our particular use as a profession. Yeah, I, I think that I think that really boils it down where the outputs that you get from any of these processes are only as good as what you put into it. And especially with AI, when the that middle process gets outsourced to, you know, to, to create itself all on its own, to train itself and build the structure without, with a degree of human input, but largely it's doing uh, a lot of that work on its own. That's where that, like, the resolution of your results can vary. Um, I think with a lot of generative design, there's a lot of user input that has to go into those center processes. So you know if your input's good, if your code is good, then your output will be good. But if you have good input and bad code, you're going to get bad output. And the same goes for good in or bad inputs, but really good code. You know, <laughs> it's, it's like I said, the, your output's only as good as the data you put in. So we're going to get into some testy subject matter as we continue this conversation, because obviously <laughs> there's a difference between subjective truths and objective truths, and uh, all human beings come from a different background. So I apologize in advance to all English majors and copywriters that I'm about to offend, but uh, chat GPT has kind of changed the landscape for what people understand AI to be, because now it's a accessible platform that can really do anything that you ask it to. That said, architecture is long considered of the highest arts, right? It's, it's developing an artistic reference of the embodiment of uh, society at that moment in time. And it's also at a much larger and much more complicated scale. So what, I, what I'm saying by that is we're not asking it to write me a limerick or to, you know, give me a poem on this, you know, particular subject matter. When we use artificial intelligence, which I do use, uh, everybody on this call has used at one point in time, uh, even just to play around with, when we use text to image based platforms, there's a much heavier lift in translating text into a built environment, into an actual building facade or an envelope or an interior perspective. When I input you know, a series of texts that's asking for a snowmobile bar in the Adirondacks, like there's a lot that could be interpolated within that statement. And AI has the challenge of producing an image within a series of seconds or minutes in order to describe what it believes is a solution for what I inputted. And then I need to go back and kind of alter the language I used or the specific prompts that I input in order to make that program work. So when I'm talking about text to image based, uh, I, I use MidJourney quite often as like just an inspirational starting point. So when we have a new project and it's something I never thought of, I'll input a series of prompts. Sometimes it nails it. Sometimes it's not even close. And I have to rein in exactly how I describe the project to the software. But what I have found is that artificial intelligence will take a collective series of images with prompts from the internet. Wherever that resource is found, whatever access they have to, I don't know. But what it'll output 
is something that maybe I never would have thought of. And is that my ultimate project? Would I ever show those images to clients incoming? Absolutely not. It's just an inspiration, but it's an inspiration that is an amalgamation of hundreds of thousands or millions of images rather than just like perusing the internet and using those prompt words. Because it can be argued that even Google searching is a sort of artificial intelligence because of the amount of technology that's been put into those prompts and to showing you the select images that are there. Uh, it, it provides me with a starting point to a conversation around design that maybe I never would have thought of before. Um, a couple of examples of this uh, are, you know, I use Midjourney, but Dolly was probably the first one that broke onto the internet and like really started everybody's interest in this. Uh, Dolly Light, which is uh, powered by Crayon. Uh, Stable Diffusion, Wombo Dream, you know, there's there's probably a dozen or so of these platforms that have made it, um, you know, to, to the generic internet level where you can just like search these and find these platforms available online. Some of them are pay to play, some of them are free for use, but the text to image AI is the one thing that I think starts this conversation around being specific to our profession as designers, as architects. Um, and now here's where Bryce and I will start to get <laughs> into a disagreement and maybe throw a fist, but you can algorithmatize beauty. You can actually say what symmetry, rhythm, balance, repetition have as an impact on the built environment. I mean, there's a reason why Greek and Roman buildings are still considered beautiful to this day, because they kind of figured that out. And whether it's written on scrolls or in books and held in libraries for thousands of years, or whether it's like part of an algorithm that the internet has access to, we can actually say certain things look better than others. So I'm going to open this back up for discussion because here's where things get really interesting. And are we really out of the job or are we just one piece of the bigger puzzle? I think, <laughs> I don't think we're going anywhere anytime soon. Um, as you say, your belief is that you can, you know, essentially dilute beauty, dilute this human subjectivity down to one objective truth where even if we still find these classical buildings as beautiful, we can still find the benefit that they had on society. We can see that they're, the impact that they had on the people of their time. I think we really have to keep that in mind because not every front porch needs a marble colonnade. Not every, you know, we, it's, it's beauty, but it's beauty within a context. And I think that if you were to, dilute that down to one objective true form of beauty, it would be a, a reflection of the time that we're in. It would be a contemporary version of beauty that is really just a picture without seeing the frame. It's It, it would be a, a collection of you know Pinterest pins and the highest liked Instagram photos that I don't think would necessarily represent beauty as you know as as one objective truth as as one holistic truth i think that there's so much more that goes into it and there's so much context that you're missing by 
you know, by mathematicizing this process. To a certain extent. Now, with that said, I mean, beauty is is one whole conversation, which is why I think that we as a profession in architecture are generally safe, because I'll agree with you on your overarching statement of we're not going anywhere anytime soon. But it's a tool for us to utilize because there are hard truths, things that nobody can argue with that we can put into algorithms. Now, this is where we differentiate from artificial intelligence, as it's known to the general public. We can use generative design and input things like, hey, what's my building height limitation? What are my front setbacks, side setbacks, rear setbacks? What's my floor to area ratio? What's the cost of construction local to this region? How much of the site do I have to remove in order to put a foundation in? Where does that fill go? I mean, these are things that we can put into smaller algorithms that aren't necessarily artificial intelligence, but we're using outside intelligence to better inform our profession. So here's where I'm gonna tie it back to some actual real world applications is because we're developing software that coincides with architecture in order to make our lives easier, quite frankly. And so if you give me a plot of land I can run it through five or six algorithms and tell you what a pretty ideal home is for that site based on its openings, its doors and windows, its solar orientation, on and on and on, because I have actual data that I can plug in. We're not just leaving it open-ended to the internet. We're saying, hey, I'm really hyper-focusing on this particular instance where I have parameters in which we can work in, make my life easier. And it'll spit out a design but there's where Bryce and I's, you know, subtle disagreement kind of comes into play is because there will always be a human element that needs to step back in at a certain point in the process and be like, you know what, that looks wrong. And I'm not even sure why it looks wrong, but I just know that it looks wrong, right? So where do we, where do we go from the AI conversation, knowing that it's not quite there yet? We're really early on in this process and utilizing these tools, but we know that there's a possibility here. And so we have, to Bryce's point, been working with generative design for a long time. It's nothing new to us. It's just us trying to make our lives easier. But how does that interplay with AI in the future? Bryce, let me ask you a question. 10 years from now, where do you think AI is going to play a role? And I'll give you a hint here. Some companies, <clears throat> Autodesk, are already working towards being able to create designs just based on input. Where does that leave us in the future of architecture? I think it's it's a it's a funny, gray, fuzzy kind of road looking down. Um, it's it's a place where I think there's a a general concept, at least I think everybody going through architecture school at least once thinks about this, um, at least in the past couple of years, that why don't we use computers to build out all of these rules? Why don't we say this space needs to go next to this space, needs to go next to this space, and we need to have doorways between everything, access here. We can lay out our solar orientation. We can say these spaces need windows, these spaces don't, and we can build out all these rules and give it a site just you know all of our buildable area and it can just put it together 
But just like you said, there's that human element that needs to come in and say, well, we don't really need windows in our closets. We don't really need this next to this. We don't, you know, it's, it's designing largely in one plane. It's designing itself in 2D. It's going to be a lot more complicated if we need to give it that third dimension. If we need to start talking about, you know, how high do our ceilings need to be? How are these spaces stacking on top of each other? There's so much development and there's so much still, I think, that needs to happen before any of these, you know, Autodesk tools or even Finch 3D. Um, there's a lot of ground that needs to be made up before they really have, I think, a plausible impact on the field. I think before before we start even thinking that we're out of a job, um, there's a still a long way that that technology has to come. And I think that the rate of technology, the rate of technological advancement is definitely increasing. We've seen it in the past 10 years. We've seen it in the past 20 years, even with like, think of like a TV, how far we've come in five years and 10 years. It's, um, it's definitely a little, it's curious looking forward to see where we're going to be. But I don't think that the technology is there. And this could very well be myself not seeing the forest for the trees but um i i don't see the technology being able to progress to a point where we really need to be worried about losing the impact that we have on you know a subjective view at an ai generated plan i think that there's always going to be a job for us everybody could take a sigh of relief here knowing that our job's not being replaced anytime soon now, that said, uh, we are utilizing the best aspects of artificial intelligence to progressively make our lives easier and to make better designs. Because just like pretty much every profession on the face of the earth, our profession's constantly speeding up. People want more buildings in less time for cheaper, always. Like that's it's, every profession has the exact same issue. And so we're working our way through that. And so what AI is allowing us to do is to have a good platform and a starting point for our conversations in architecture. It's allowing us inspiration. It's allowing us information that maybe we didn't think about right out the gate. And it's giving us a good basis. But as of now, it's not replacing us and it's not replacing us anytime soon. Now, if I think about LED light bulbs and where they were 10 years ago, uh, you know, I might have to hold my breath a little because if you don't buy an LED light bulb today, you're probably doing yourself a big disservice. But, you know, five, six years ago, would I spend $40 to replace my light bulb? No, that just seems silly. So maybe this is one of those things that seems silly now, but might be our benefit in the future. Uh, It's hard to say. But for now, I think we can all agree that architects and designers in the built environment are safe knowing that it is a tool at our disposal and is not a detriment to our profession. Way to bring it to a close. I love just like pressing the on button on both of you and like letting you go for 30 minutes. (laughs) Just coming back in and tying it all together. This is so great. I love having these kinds of conversations on the podcast too for all of our listeners because we are a very forward-thinking firm and we are intending to continue to be on the leading edge of design, of efficiencies for development and looking for all of the ways to bring the perks of these technologies into what we do in this profession. 
Um, so I hope that all of you listening, you know, had some fun listening to this dialogue, this more conversational episode. If you've got your own ideas, feel free to send them in. Uh, Breck loves when everyone finds them on Instagram and send, send some DMs, their opinions, right? <laughs> if you can't see him, he's chuckling. Um, but for real, we'd love to connect with you. If you've got a project, if you're interested in hearing more about this home product that we are merging generative design into uh, for our clients at the moment, then please feel free to send us a contact form. We'd love to connect with you. Or if you're interested in cargo architecture, incorporating containers, incorporating SIPs, anything alternative, you know that's what we do. You know that's what we do best. And we love what we do. So hit us up, check out our project portfolio, check out our project highlight of the week, Hayes Home, all of this linked in the description of our podcast. And big shout out. Thank you to Bryce for two episodes in a week, back to back, joining us here. Um, And we will catch you guys all in the next episode. Cheers. Until next time. We hope you enjoyed this episode, and if you found it so valuable, you want to connect with us one-on-one, click the link in the description to tell us all about your project so we can help you get started.